To X-Rated the X-Men animated review show. Thank you for joining us. You don't have to beg. You can, you can I tell you, there's a special type of scenery being chewed by that voice actor in this episode. And uh, I'm I'm here for I love it. I think it's great. He's almost uh, like a Shakespeare villain, like uh, Puck or something. What are you doing here? Well, we're here to host. I am your host. That little tin horn dictator. <laughs> <laughs> I've never that's the most accurate that's the most accurate description you've had yet <laughs> yeah I think so too I was pretty yeah. proud of that <laughs> but you're the divaner and with me is always Wait, what, what are you supposed to what is what are you supposed to be playing on with your name scanner I don't scanner see scanner one of the I, acolytes. I don't oh they're, they're all they're all listed by their actual names here yeah, uh, except for a couple of them like frenzy and chrome aren't but scanner she's i don't know if she's in this episode but she's an acolyte i went with it i think i think she's the one with the 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 hand unless that's supposed to be carmella but, uh i don't she's not listed as one of the cat uh what are you doing here yeah oh that god, is carmella it's gonna be like that oh my god well maybe scanner's not in this it's all right we'll really. let her slide for it's today. not the only thing i ruined this episode and i'll get into that in a second oh no what with me, as always, is my co-host. We have to destroy him while we still can. <laughs> the time is now. Please do. Carmela Unasiandre. That's right. And I was a moment late because I was actually struggling to make my name work, as well as the fact I haven't been feeling well. So, uh, yeah, between those two things, I was struggling. But I got it. It came up with a good one, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. It's a name I'm probably going to impossibly be able to pronounce myself, so it's perfect. Because I wouldn't have to. I'm actually, I'm going back to my one from yet last episode because it was better. Oh, Devaner's fine. Just, no, terrible. I have a friend with the last name Devaney, and I feel like I should call him Devaner now. Davian Skeltez is back. Boo, boo, Skeltez, we are boo. Here to review season four, episode four of the X Men animated series. Sanctuary Part Two, written Sanctuary. by Jeff Saylor. That very same, written by Jeff Saylor, directed by Larry Houston. Jeff Saylor. This is his only episode he writes in this uh, series. Though his only episode was Part Two. Of bonkers. Yeah. Ooh. He writes four episodes of Bonkers and eight. Yeah, episodes totally of, nuts. Uh, bonkers. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, da, da, bonkers. Da, 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 da. I don't remember that much of Bonkers. Um, or Supalami? Yeah. That's one that most nobody remembers. No, used to watch episodes too. of Goof Troop. That's oh, I love Goof Troop. Goof Troop. Did he work on the yeah, movie? The movie's fantastic. <laughs> Gorsh. Yeah, I didn't see the movie. I don't. What? Know. You never seen a Goofy movie? Oh, dude, you got to get on that. I don't know. Did the Goofy movie spin out of the show, or did the show spin out of the movie? I can't remember. Oh, I think the movie was after the show. Okay, because the movie. Yeah, I think Max is going to college or something, right? If I recall correctly, but it was uh, it was a delightful movie. The a goofy movie is if you have children and you want to show them something they've probably haven't seen before that you'll probably enjoy as well. Watch a goofy I do movie. Have children. 
Well, they may not appreciate it as much as, but anyway, it's good. Super good. Well, before we get into it, I think we have to rewind like it's apostrophe 92. Yeah. So, I messed up the graphics for last episode in this one. I, I noticed that. I noticed that and I didn't say anything cuz I knew you would I knew you you would probably not take it well. So I was like, oh, I'll just let it slide. I looked at it and I said, I'm pretty sure they're not in those costumes till the next one. I did. That's my fault for giving you no, all the graphics that one I got once. right. That one I got right. The the costumes the, when the, it shows the square ones I got right, the rectangle ones I got wrong. Okay, there was one I recognized as not being correct and that's yeah, yeah. random. I put random in the last right. one, he was in that episode. He was in the episode. It was fine. I mean, no one would have noticed if he didn't bring it up. But uh, no, it's my I felt it, bad, and I had to do a segment on it. It's my fault for giving you two graphics instead of the usual one that I do when I, I send them to you in advance. So you can't be trusted with additional graphics. I, I, I see that now. It's true, unless they're numbered <laughs> like the Simpsons ones. <laughs> I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna take the numbers off and let you just let your freak flag fly, baby. And I'm gonna make them really bad ones. You can't even figure out if it's from that episode oh, or not. Wow. That'll be fun, I guess. I can't wait. <laughs> well, that's all I'm rewinding about. I messed it up. The square ones will be correct on the audio-only version. But uh, if you're watching the show and you're confused... I mean, how, when people come here for the, the, yeah. the journalistic integrity of this program and you spit Look, I let you down. in their I face, let the ex-goons down. I slap admit. them across their face, pee on them, just like it's... The, 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 the amount Worst of... of all, I let myself down. <laughs> no, worst of all, you let me down. Uh, I don't care oh, about you. No, I'm, that's, I'm kidding. That's my worst, worst. I could care less, buddy. You're doing you're doing a great job on this show. <laughs> Considering well, we do this for zero money, we 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 have a very dedicated crew that's enjoying doing it. So, yeah, I must say. So, oh, oh, I see what's happening. Haha. <laughs> Previously on X-Men. This one's going to be. Do we follow? No, Scott. He chose not to continue his attack. I believe that is his way of saying thank you. Wait, that's not, that's not the last that's episode. Like that's like a million episodes ago. That's a juggernaut episode. Oh, wow. I am just. And by a million, I mean it's way. like three episodes oh. ago. Why is that one still on my thing? Sorry, everybody. Let's start that over. Jeez, this is a live show, so technically we can't. But let's just pretend. We're oh. all pretending together. It's like a, a group activity. Are we Previously on X-Men. All right, let's do this again. When we arrived here, we saw only Cortez. Liars. I saw the liars in the chamber. Assassins. Can the tea crowd number? Vengeance for our lost Lord Magneto! That one was pretty good. Yeah, I think we're outnumbered. Well, that one actually works. This is a part two, so it actually worked very well in, 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 this, uh, in this particular instance. So uh, I'm, I'm glad for once, for once, maybe in the entirety of this show, this, that has finally worked out for you. <laughs> yes, Sam, you should watch a Goofy movie. It's great. It's on Disney Plus, and I, I'm not sure. I can't speak about the 
the the potentially crappy straight to DVD sequel that came out in the year two thousand. I don't know about that one. It could be good. I don't know, but a goofy movie is a great movie. Max probably is the father in that one. Nope, it's I think Max graduates from college at the end of that one, and him and Goofy have a whole thing, which is uh, funny because so Goofy's. Well, before I think we have some important questions about Goofy we have to answer before we okay. get to this the silly X Men podcast. Mm-hmm. So, if you look at the credits for a Goofy movie, uh, Max is credited as um, Max Goof. What's Goofy's first name? Goofy. He's Goofy Goof. I don't think so. I think he's Goofy Dog or something like that. Isn't no, he? his last name's Goofy. That's why or Goof. That's why he's Max Goof. I don't know that. I know that the classic green goofy hat is the uh, souvenir I took away from Disney World when I went when I was a little kid. Oh, really? That's a nice. That's a nice souvenir. In the ears. Yeah, it was cool. I, I might even still have it. I don't know. Gorsh. I'm pretty sure they still sell those somewhere. Gorsh. But uh, so if you look at the credits here, let me see if it says his actual name: Maximilian or Max Goof. And then Bill Farmer is credited as In Goofy. In a second, he's going to be knocking us around like play toys. Oh, my God. Why is this happening? My soundboard is so broken. Anyway. But it's it's attached to your computer, right? Yep. It, okay. It's just, <laughs> it's just well, software. here we are at part two of uh, Sanctuary, in which we get some fun new costumes and uh, continue on the storyline of the last episode. So uh, without much further ado which is something I say very often on my other podcast. Let's get into it. Mm-hmm. So we get our little flashback. We uh, see what happened. And then we go through our credits, which I actually skipped for the very first time today because I was in a time crunch. What? I know. I was in a time crunch. It's the first time I've ever skipped the credits. That's pretty good considering was, this is episode. Who's let everybody down. Oh, come on now. They're the old credits. I, I got, I got, I got uh, blinded by how wonderful the new credits were when they had new credits for a couple episodes ago. Mm. So we see our, our intrepid trio of Xavier, Gambit, and Beast being hunted by the the. Uh, I still love that Kangaroo is one of them. I, I didn't know Kangaroo was a was a mutant. Like he was an obscure Spider Man villain, but I don't remember him being a mutant. Spider Man fights everybody. I know, and some of his villains are mutants. I suppose I know is. His deranged uh, clone Ben Riley right now is like keyed into a bunch of X Men stuff with this dark web storyline they're doing. But um, yeah, yeah. No, he's no, Chasm no. now, who is uh, he? Yeah. The Beyond Corporation was using like registered the name Spider Man, and he was their Spider Man. Um, well, Peter was like in a coma or something, and then uh, he. Uh, the, it turned out the corporation would keep erasing his memory every time he. Or take away the parts of his memories that that would get them in trouble with stuff that uh, about the corporation. So, eventually, they raised so much he began to have a disconnect in his own mind about who he was and, and forgot all the parts of his life. Um, they they did offer the Beyond Corporation in a way to try to taint him against Spider Man. Uh, offered him a method to get his memories back from Peter, but Peter wouldn't agree to it uh, because he didn't trust them. And it was obvious he shouldn't anyway. But because of that, it kind of splintered their relationship. And he got caught in some kind of a thing that seemingly would have killed him. But he survived. Chasm, you might say. Yes. So now he's got this kind of black and green. He kind of looks like a symbiote, even though he isn't one. He's sort of black with green kind of spidery markings. And there's obviously this kind of like energy coming off him. He looks kind of cool. But uh, hmm. I haven't seen him in the comic. I'm just, I just got my comics last week. So. I'm now catching up on uh, the reading, but uh, it does look like he's tied in with Madeline Pryor and a bunch of X-Men stuff. 
I always have a ton of Spider-Man to catch on, though. Oh, I'm actually pretty caught up on that one, finally. Some of the others that I'm not caught up on, but, uh, you know, I've actually pared my comic reading down quite a bit, so. Um, I, like, I'm still trying to read all the graphic novels and stuff, just single comics. Uh, there's only, like, a, a kind of a small handful of stuff out that really interests me nowadays. And with time, the way it is, it's, you know, trying to trying to get it all in is tough, so. I used to try to buy all the Star Wars comics that Marvel's putting out. I'd given up on that. They just put out way too much. Yeah. All right. So our trip. Well, when Jason Aaron and stuff were writing them, and even when uh, mm-hmm. Ch- uh, Chuck Sprawl was, that was cool. But uh, or Charles Sprawl is that his name? Yeah. So Charles yeah. Sproul, yeah. So anyway, the uh, our mutants are trying to escape. Uh, they're being chased by all the mutants on Asteroid M, who believe they. I believe had... the proper expression is. I think that's what you uh, meant to say. Yes, exactly. Yes, you meant to use that uh, off-brand quote for Beast. Um, It's a very strange one for him because it doesn't have any four-letter words in it, or four-dollar words in it. So That was the joke there, though. It was very I know. He's being folksy. Yes, yes, beast, beast in his folksiness. So uh, they they basically uh, seeing the tide turning. The astronauts are hanging out in the bay, and and the X Men can uh, uh, they they seem to be Russian, which is funny. Um, but they convince them to you know save themselves and help them by escaping on a shuttle. And Gambit agrees to stay behind. It says he's going to stay behind basically and, and cover their tracks. Beast says that you know he shouldn't do that, and he says that he'll 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 catch up with them basically. But uh, he's slowing down. But he's very quickly subdued uh, by, uh, uh, I always forget her name, the girl with the A. Magneto, uh, Carme- not Amelia. Carmella. Amelia. Amelia, Amelia uh, used their powers to quickly sort of come up behind, apparate behind him and uh, and hold on to him while the rest of the acolytes kind of contain him. They run out and try so to stop the X-Men from escaping. I like that line. That was a little earlier on when B says, uh, you know, what happens if you don't, get away and he says then I'll be the first yeah. X-Men in orbit which means he'll be floating around in space uh yeah. dead but that's a a nice way of putting it and the old gambit the old gambit colloquialism like they just shuttled magneto like they just sent him crashing down towards the earth so he figures the same thing probably would happen to him yeah but cortez is like a terrible villain like i mean He's obvious ridiculously it, unhinged like every yeah. sentence he says just sounds completely unhinged and there's also kind of a little bit of a, a gap in the logic here and i'll get to that when it comes up but uh hmm. as to how he went so nuts so fast because even the other acolytes are surprised We're like you seem so great on genosha what happened and maybe it's just that he finally had a taste of power and that's what what drove him to the edge but it's almost like it's almost funny because they do this in fiction all the time like the second somebody gets the smallest taste of power they just go nuts and like become a villain or like the neck, the villain for the next season, you know, maybe they're kind of a half friend of the character, but then by the end of the first season, they, you know, become some kind of a rival because they get some kind of a taste of power. So it's always funny when they do that. So uh, I guess it could be explained is perhaps he had never, because his power, there's a bit of a sharing of energies and stuff. That's never really explained. It just says that he can enhance other people's energy. Yeah, so uh, he clearly could sap it as well because he sapped it back. Yeah, I guess give it and take it back. Doesn't seem so, to have much of an effect on him when he does that, though. Perhaps, perhaps he had never done that to like an omega level mutant before, and just that sheer amount of power drove him crazy or something. Because he does seem like he seems like he's on like test or uh, what's the word uh, adrenaline. 
Hmm. Like he, if yeah. they like zoomed in on him, he'd just be shaking because his like voice is even shaking. He's just like com- just completely off of it. Here, here, off his rocker. I can be hmm. folksy like beast. Hmm. Folksy beast him. So um, now we play a new game, and it's Gambit's deal. All right, so then uh, Go- Goofy Go- Goofy packs up the truck and gets Max ready for college, and then he has some trouble with a Bigfoot in the woods, and that's a whole other ordeal. Yeah. Oh, oh, right. Sorry, uh, I got sidetracked. Sorry, um, Cher, but you joined the wrong team. I think you meant sorry, Mon Cher. Mon Cher. The wrong team. The wrong team. Uh, so the uh, this is the, the X rated show, not the Goof Troop. Yeah, well, maybe that's our next show. We'll do the Goofy show followed by the Goofy movie. So the X-Men do manage to narrowly escape. They see Gambit's not coming, so they seal up the door and take off. Um, While they're taking off, back to Earth, Magneto. uh, Like, Charles sees Magneto's shuttle hovering away and kind of sees Magneto fading from existence in his mind. Charles. It's very, very uh, gritty. Great voice work. All this Magneto stuff. This There's a lot of great. Well, actually, Magneto's not in this episode hardly at all. Uh, it was mostly in the last episode that we got most, but he does have some some fun Magneto stuff. Um, but I do have some questions about how it makes sense that he can do the fun Magneto stuff he does, and uh, we can talk about that a little later. But uh, anyway, uh, the the rocket's kind of crash landing to Earth. Um, Rogue tries to to um, to stop it burns her hands because it's all hot from uh, coming through the atmosphere and manages to slow down enough for them to land. She ends up tearing through the ship trying to find Gambit um, who is not on the ship and it's explained to her by Beast that he stayed behind to try to protect them. Well, first he, she thinks they he stayed behind. First she thinks they uh, that he stayed behind because he wanted to stay behind but then Beast explains he stayed behind to save them and they got to go back and get him. But Xavier quickly tells them they need to take a bit of time before they can... Well, B says they're going to outfit the ship to go into space, which is hilarious. He's like, we just need a few hours to outfit the the Blackbird to go into space. And you're like, what? I guess they do kind of show that they're using Shear technology. technology. Yeah. But that's even hilarious. He even says that's what he's doing. That's right. But it's even funny when you see him using it. And I'll explain that when we get to that point, too. But uh, basically, Xavier says he needs to, to settle to get do some a couple hours he needs while beast is doing that basically to talk to the world leaders and and uh, assemble a a force to go back and, and rescue gambit uh gambit is dropped at the feet of fabian cortez who's now the leader of asteroid m um who accuses gambit of uh, assassinating magneto gambit of course tries to tell his side of the story he's wearing a collar that uh that stops his powers from working which always pops up conveniently whenever they need to to have the powerless x-man Never, they never reference they have them. Like, why would why would Magneto allow them to keep uh, mutant like power dampening? Well, they had just collars. come from Genosha, where there's a ton of those things. That's possible. That's that's fair. I can accept that. But it just seems odd that Magneto would allow that on a on a ship where you celebrate mutant diversity and powers and, and don't hinder them in any way. Could have been Sneaky Fabian that brought that up. Well, Sneaky Fabian, <laughs> Sneaky Fabian. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Cortez basically doesn't let Gambit explain it, accuses him of uh, sabotaging Magneto, saying that he will get a confession out of him. Um, also, uh, you know, basically saying that they will break him and, and force him to join them. Gambit, of course, says he will not. Cortez says they will see. Uh, you know, I was very evil, maniacal. He's very maniacal villain. 
And he's even got this voice that's kind of crazy. I don't know if I should kill everyone, but I want to. You know, it's like that, uh, which is interesting. Well, then we cut to a very somber uh, picture of the the X-Men gathering on the the mansion lawn for a a funeral of sorts for the fallen Eric, now known as Eric Magnus Lencher. I believe when he appeared in the show the first time, he was just Eric Magnus. He was just uh, Magnus, they called him. Yeah. Yes, I believe they, they did call him Eric, but they did call him. But I, I believe the first time yeah. around, pardon? I don't, did they call him Eric early on? I don't think they did. Well, maybe they didn't. Professor always called him Magnus. Still does. Did the Look, comics? the name I should have had from the beginning, Devin Tinhorn. Did, uh, did the comics change? Like when the comics had changed that, because when he first started, he was Eric Magnus, I believe. He was never. I, I know they retconned it later that he was always Eric Magnus Lencher, but uh, I don't think that was a retcon. No, I don't think he was Lencher from the from the get go. I'm pretty sure he wasn't because I remember always thinking that, and maybe it's just because that seems like something Stan Lee would have done, and then somebody later saying it's ridiculous his last name is Magnus would have uh, would have went back and changed Because he was Max Eisenhardt at one time, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, so the names have changed over the years. But uh, um, yeah. Eric Lencher was a I cover. Think that was just an alias he was going for or going with for a while. Yeah, if you read through his biography, it does say he adopted the name Magnus because uh, he was adopted by someone Mag- Mag- Magda and... Anyway, it's a long story. But anywho, apparently Eric Lencher was his name all along, and this is what we're accepting in the show. So Xavier kind of says that, you know, though he didn't agree with Magneto's methods, uh, you know, the content of, like, his his um, his character was something that they, you know, his, his, his willingness to stand and fight um, was something to be commended and blah, blah, blah. So uh, Magneto, Xavier has a, a nice little goodbye to his friend. He would not have wanted a memorial, so I will keep this brief. Eric Magnus Lencher was known to you only as Magneto, our most intractable opponent. He was also my friend. Yeah, some nice voice work there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like... In the ro- end, he wanted only to spare future generations the pain he was forced to endure. Though I abhorred his methods, I cannot fault the strength of his character. Yeah, that's the line. So, this is his friend. Well, it is, it's true. I mean, Manito, you know, love him or hate him, he, do, he does have a noble purpose. What, the lengths he's willing to go to, to to achieve that purpose is is something that, uh, you know, is usually what causes the odds between them. And in fact, it's the, their connection and their, their, both their desire for mutant unity or, or mutant... Uh, um, Ascension is, uh, you know, something that does make them work together at oftentimes. And I think in the comics currently, he's not really a bad guy, is he? Oh, in the comics, it's hard to keep track. Oh, okay. Well, he'll be back soon enough. So we do get to see the X Men. Yeah, he was. He was being. He was on the council. The X Men do get a whole bunch of things. They sort of had meld their weight, their things. That's what the whole Krakoan era was. They sort of combined their philosophies. A little more hard edge than Xavier normally does, and a little less all in than Magneto would go. No, that's and that's yeah. very uh, very it's adult of them. Well, it took them sixty years of battling each other to to come to some kind of a compromise. 
We do get a the X Men probably get the most costume changes I think in this episode than, yeah. than they ever have, which is interesting. Doesn't Rogue look quite dapper at uh, the funeral. She looks like a Victorian. She's in the Victorian era. She looks like she might be killed by Jack the Ripper any minute. Yeah, I didn't get an image of that. I don't think it's a very southern uh, man. Look at Beast's face in that picture. It's a very southern sort of uh, yeah, bell kind of outfit. Well, he's kind of scary. But anyway, we see Gambit getting tortured by uh, Cortez. I'm not sure why he's torturing him in private because no one's really there to see Gambit elicit a confession, even if he does force one out of him. Because mm-hmm. you know that's just the case. Basically, Gambit says we both know what you did, and Cortez just punishes him for saying that. Then, uh... hey. Psst. Uh-oh, kitty trouble. Yeah, he likes to come. When he wants my attention, he'll come and start scratching at the carpet. It's a little oh, dick. Mine so, that at the bed. No, oh, he won't do it. Well, actually, the whole bed too. what he starts, what he does at night in the morning, if he wants me to get up and I'm not up yet, he'll just start taking, like I have a little side table with some stuff on it, and he'll start fucking with that. He'll like pick up pieces and drop it on the floor and play with it. I had a boutonniere that was Same left one. over. Go ahead. What was Stan Lee like? Nice. Nice guy. Uh, when I met him, anyway, he was nice to me, and I almost killed him. So that's right. It didn't happen. To be nice if you want to hear that story, you can listen to the Graphic Histories podcast. Hmm? So, um, uh, yeah. So Cortez is torturing Gambit. Then um, <clears throat> Amelia comes in and stops him, saying he's being too hard on him. Blah blah blah. Cortez is kind of upset because he feels as though he's not being respected for the leader that he now apparently is. I guess you just ascend to the to leaderdom without an election or anything on Asteroid M. Uh, yeah, very until ins- the leader ahead of you and you get their position, like on a Klingon. Well, yeah, well, yeah, or you know, more, more, more popularly, like the necromancers from uh, the Chronicles of Riddick uh, <laughs> film. More popular. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Listen, that movie is serviceable. The original Pitch Black is Bat a fantastic you, movie. Buddy. Um, your bat lift is small and, and, and not very... It's not the size that matters, it's what you do with it. It 100% is if it's a weapon. If I had a real-sized bat lift and you came at me with that one, I think I'd win. And I'd even know that to Raphael. Um, he doesn't use a bat lift, he uses a sigh. Yeah, but it's small compared to other weapons. He has two of them. And if you combine them, they're both the size of a normal weapon. Um, so, anyway, we get Cortez, who's trying to uh, sort of uh, um, d- assert his dominance over the world, uh, basically, by sending a message across the earth saying that... Uh, by being unhinged. <laughs> essentially, yeah. i being a slimy little crawfish. Do you have what he tells what he tells the world here? All mutants held for any reason must be freed and restitution paid for human crimes against them. Within what forty eight hours? Forty eight hours, or he's going to blow up the world? Apparently, this is is what he. So he's like, all mutants must be released, or I'll blow up after a horrible murderer. Or I'll blow up the entire world, kill all of the humans and all the mutants that are also on Earth. So, either release, I, you know, you can't release Sabretooth. <laughs> I mean, he died in space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You mean release him? Yeah, hundred percent. But uh, him in custody. You have to keep him in custody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty pretty bad. So anyway, 
so now there's a time crunch with uh, them having, but we do see some fun, some more fun cameos of various X-Men care, uh, people watching this video as well. Mm-hmm. So they're sort of capitalizing save those for later. Yeah, you can see those for later. Um, battle those for X points. Yeah. I'm too tired to battle. So um, obviously the mutants are, by the way, everybody, I said that at the beginning, Yes, we're gonna have a cold or flu or some combination of the two. So uh, you know, Kelly Kelly's uh, unhappy. Obviously, President Kelly's unhappy about this, and he's in a meeting with Xavier and the rest of the World Council, which are all on TVs in his office, like he's working at a uh, some kind of a TV station, which I always find kind of funny. Do you think the White House has about like twenty TVs built into the wall that is direct feeds to each other world leader than in the friendly countries? I mean, there's 160 countries in the world, so I'm guessing it's a lot of TVs. I mean, they probably don't have one to Canada, but I would assume they'd have. I mean, the countries that are closest allies, they must. They got Genosha on there for God's sakes. Um, they have Genosha. Yeah, he's, and the Genosha guy, of course, is mistrusting a mutant, saying that they can't trust Xavier, and you know they sent him up there before, and he didn't do jack squat. But Xavier says the difference this time will be they're not going to, on a peace mission. They're going for war. So, you know, that's sort of what... So he has a time limit to get his... Uh, to go get Gambit out and uh, and stop Mr. Cortez. Sweet new outfits. So uh, Amelia uh, goes to visit Gambit, basically using her powers to sneak around um, and uh, see how he's doing. Gambit, of course, tells her that... Uh, you know, Fabian is not to be trusted, and he he's the one who did all this. She doesn't really trust Fabian anyway because uh, his what he's doing right now um, is drawing like she always wanted to just live her life alone, of being free of being a mutant, like not be persecuted or even whatever, just be herself and being a mutant, just being a side part of herself. It's not like she's denying it; it's just she doesn't want to go battle other mutants or do any of this other stuff. She just wants to live a normal life. But you know, she blames Xavier for putting her in the spotlight with the X Men, and now you know. Cortez is doing the same thing, if not worse, by agitating the entire world with his broadcast. So uh, this is sort of leading around the path to sort of see what's really going on. She goes visits Gambit, gets more idea what's going on, and then breaks into security and looks for the security tapes of what happened. Of course, tape 54 uh, is missing, which is the one that would tell her what happened. Um, the, we, we cut to the X-Men. It's all VHSs too, and there's like a thousand of them on a wall. So it's like how many, you know, a VHS lasts six hours, so how many, you know, or I guess, is it eight? A lot of them were only like three. Yeah, well, that's, all, that's only if you're using EP or LP or was it? I can't remember. Whatever mode you had your VCR set to. So uh, higher quality was let. We used more tape. So, oh, God. I remember when I was a kid, I used to tape every episode of Raw and SmackDown. I used to tape a lot of wrestling as well. And I had so, like, it, like what am I, what, movies, gonna, like, am I going to watch Raw from, like, January 3rd, nine, you know, 2001? Like, it's ridiculous. Did you ever, like, record, stu- like, movies and get up and stop recording during the commercial? Pause. Them. Well, you can, do with your, you can do it with remote control. You pause. Well, if maybe you could fancy smancy. That's right. I did live as fancy smancy VCR. So uh, the X Men arrive. Toity, I believe, was the yeah. Phrase, so my monocle. Would uh, I would watch my films with my monocle while eating the finest of of craft dinner. Um, the the, the real kind. Caviar. That's right. I'd eat the actual brand name craft dinner. That's how, how how well refined. Not that rubbery PC brand bullshit. Nothing. Nothing too good for for. for 
Mrs. Mites, little boy. So, uh, turtles craft dinner. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Shaped like the Ninja Turtles. You know what I want? Okay, I will go on a quick side mission here. Um, so on the weekend, we had I had some friends over and we're talking about the turtles. Oh, because we played this game called um, it's a dream date, mystery dream date. It's a, it's a new game that's sort of yeah, you know, dream crush, and it's like an 80s sort of where like they give you the characters, the three different potential suitors, and then details about each of them but you have to guess you know what person in your group will pick what what's the third with the new with each level of new information that comes out so if you're can you correctly guess uh, i won both games actually so it's just fun but uh if you can correct your dream dates oh nice one of them actually is elijah wood he uh i guess he likes the game and, and they put his face in as one of the, the characters so it's funny because someone's like this is this elijah wood and i remember looking at him like it definitely is um but anyway, I don't. I didn't see any other celebrities making cameos. So it's pretty funny they suck him in. I think his name was Francis or something. In it. But um, anyway, we were talking about turtles for some reason. I can't remember why. But then I was talking about how um, the the live action Ninja Turtle show that Fox put out in the in the like the late nineties, mid to late nineties. So around the same time this cartoon was show was on, we had the um, there was a Power live action Ninja Turtle show. You don't remember this? No, I remember the movies. It was called The Next Mutation. Um, it was live-action turtles and suits. But uh, it was a double bill every hour. It was um, this show and Power Rangers in Space uh, were on oh, Fox yeah. at the same time. And there's an episode on the show of Power Rangers in Space where they teamed up, where the turtles and the Power Rangers teamed up. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I have – I remember I came across the DVD set somewhere of that show because it only lasted one season. Um, so all the ep- in, in the first episode, they deal with Shredder like he gets arrested or he's gone. And then there's a new villain for the rest of the show uh, who's called Dragon Lord. But um, the most notable the most notable thing about the show was that uh, it introduced the fifth Ninja Turtle, a female named Venus de Milo that had a light blue band and uh, was slightly smaller than the others. You know, you don't remember this at all. Yeah, I, mean, I don't remember either of those shows. Oh my God! Mute yourself, Andre. I'm sorry, Jesus. Jeez. I'm dying here. I'll just be happy. I'm still on the show for God's sake. Nuts. Hey, listen, they either alive. hear that or they don't hear me at all. What would you prefer? I told you, mute yourself. Not at all. I'm not <laughs> muting myself. The, the people need to see. You're getting way ahead of us. Oh, am I? It's a mountain ahead of us. Oh, well, that part's cool. When we get so there. anyway, the guy guarding the chamber with security tapes has some kind of ability to change the material of a, a statue of Magneto that he keeps changing different materials. And while he's doing that, he's not noticing the X-Men approach and their cool decked-out Blackbird jet uh, with all this new Shear technology. We see uh, the, these outfits, which are fun. I mean, Beast is just wearing sort of a gold spacesuit. Rogue has something that kind of reminds me of her uh, Age of Apocalypse outfit. Um... It's like you know, big shoulder pads. It's like her yeah. Like and Wolverine looks like he's wearing the uh, the X Force, uh, like the secret, the Black Ops X Men X Force comic uh, outfit, which is a Shield one. Like when he was, there's like a Wolverine agent of Shield. What are you doing here? Oh my god! <laughs> so we get these these cool little costumes for their Strike Force team. It's kind of neat that they have like different costumes for like sneaking around and and, and fighting people instead of just like being superheroes. It kind of like lends itself Space to that. Rates. Yeah, but Wolverine's is just his normal outfit, but kind of harder looking with the the darker colors. Kind of, it kind of reminds me a bit of like how 
Weed when Weedon took over X Men after Grant Morrison's run, he uh, they had a story when they tried to explain why they have costumes again. They said that you know that they wanted to kind of fit in more with the superhero mentality because people don't trust people in black leather. <laughs> yeah, so um, you know it's just a way to get them back in costume. So I kind of like the idea that perhaps you know when it's a more you know when they're fighting in the public on behalf of mutants, they want to be seen as colorful superheroes. But when they're doing this sort of dark mission in space where they're probably gonna have to kill somebody. Uh, or total them, as we say in the show. Total them. They they move to their their harder outfits. So um, we do see. Um, you know that that was funny in the comic though, because like Cyclops starts doing this speech about that like visibility and uh, pers- public perception and all that stuff, and he just keeps going on with the speech. And Wolverine cuts him off. He's like, "Wait a minute, this is about costumes, isn't it?" Yeah, because they had just been wearing black. I do remember that. Yeah. Man, I was so glad to get the costumes back. That's when I jumped back on the X-Men comics. You missed the best X-Men storyline of all time. Which one? The Grant Morrison run. The whole run? It's not the entire story. run. I mean, maybe not, but it, it is it is in the top five for me, for sure. But I do love Morrison's. So that probably colors my opinion. But I do really love that comic and that run, too. It was, and maybe it's because it was like... It was around when I was a kid, and I, I read whatever comics I get a hold of, but then I got working in a store where new comics came out. So that's when I started reading new comics again and uh, getting to catch up on Spider-Man, X-Men, and all this stuff, and I was just really all in right from the get-go. So uh, we come back to Beast. He's uh, using all this new Shi'ar technology, which is hilarious because it just says, like, Shi'ar shield, Shi'ar cloak, Shi'ar stuff in front of each of them. Like, like you don't really need to write that on the, the thing. Idiot-proof. Yeah, essentially so. So they use that to kind of get through the force field, go undetected, landing on the asteroid. Well, some interesting animation work here uh, with with the shadow of uh, when they go into the asteroid, you see the shadow go over the, the ship, and it's kind of neat. It looks like they may have used some practical um, effects in that, and it's not just straight animation. But uh, Animation's great in this episode, though. It is a really good episode, yeah. Uh, all around, this is a, it's a fantastic two-parter. I love that Wolverine costume, actually. I think it's super cool. I like it better than his normal costume. I don't know. It almost looks, other than the cowl, it almost looks like it's. Well, I guess those are the highlights they do on Wolverine. Like the outfit is probably all black or all blue. I think it's supposed to be black, is what I would read into it. And like Rogues has no explanation as to why she needs this suit. It's not like he covers her face anymore or anything, you know, like from from being out in space. But, uh, or Wolverine. Wolverine, I get for stealth, maybe, like since they're sneaking around. But I mean, Rogues wearing yellow and green and red. So, anywho, we see um, Amelia trying to find that tape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just using him as a torpedo, it kind of looks like. Yeah. <laughs> so she can't find the tape. Uh, while she's looking for the tape, we see B sneaking around the missile silo, deactivating all the warheads that uh, Cortez has access to. Um, well, that's happening. Uh, Cortez gets a call. He needs to be somewhere from Amelia. Yes. Daniel says the animation is totally fire. Rogue's outfit in space is what all the kids were talking about. I agree. I mean, I love it. I think that it's a great costume. I don't see the practicality of it being in space, but I think it's cool getting getting variations. And I mean, we always talk about how X Men has such a rich history and you know decades worth of content. It's nice when they can mind it when they can to throw it in the show and do little nods to it. And they do that a hell of a lot in the series, which is great. So, Cortez, thank you for your patronage, Daniel. Oh, is Daniel one of her patrons? Indeed, indeed. Oh, thank you, Daniel. Uh, new stuff coming, I believe, which you're probably going to talk about later. Yeah, the for new stuff's up. The hoodie's no. up. Fitting, uh, 
t-shirts up. Nice. So Court, uh, Amelia uh, goes over the intercom, I guess. They have an intercom like they're a supermarket for people to radio each other in the uh, the Asteroid M. So uh, Amelia used it to to page uh, Cortez, who who is annoyed because he was looking at different costumes for himself in his magic mirror on the wall. Uh, one of which shows him being, uh, you know, just draped over by beautiful women. So he, maybe this is the reason for his uh, sudden, sudden deep dive into megalomania. He's like, this is going to get me all the chicks. The That's right. Maybe <laughs> he's just like a dictator. Because lo- he maybe is like a lonely nerd. But I always find it funny when they do these comic shows where there's like a lonely nerd character. and He's always kind of shredded anyway. Like, you know, Cortez <laughs> is I, what I would guess by definition of an animated show, a handsome dude. You know, and, he, and he's jacked. So, like, anyway, that seems to be his interest. He's seeing it. He has his mirror on the wall that's kind of writing through different costume changes for him. And one of them being, uh, being, uh, adorned and beautiful. That's much better. Being the muting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Jesus Christ, you're demanding. You're, you're hard to love sometimes, Davin. You know that? I'm a tin horn dictator. Mm hmm. So uh, she she sneaks in using her mist powers, finds the tape which Cortez just leaves on his desk, uh, not hidden, not even in a drawer, just a freely available for anybody to walk in and pick up. Uh, she puts it in the TV, sees the true story of what happened. Um, and while she's doing this, the X Men are uh, flying around, uh, looking you know for Cortez. Basically, uh, Cortez comes in to where he was paged at, which was the the security room. Uh, you know, the guy working there says he has no idea what's going on. Cortez is freaking out because he doesn't know why he's called away from his uh, guessing eventual masturbation. That seemed to be where that, that scene was headed. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, he, uh, while he's there getting upset and thinking he was tricked, the X-Men show up and they get in a big bout of fisticuffs. I love that he has this power to, uh, zap the energy from mutants and basically mm-hmm. take the energy away to the point their atoms can't even stay together and they just fade from existence. But he still runs for he still runs for a gun and starts using that when the X-Men show up instead of just using his powers to take their energy. Hmm. Maybe just weird too, because they're not supposed to use guns on this show. They use them a lot on this episode. I mean they're lasers, they're not like guns, guns. I guess they can use lasers. Anyway, uh they open fire, uh, the the guard and uh Cortez open fire on them. You know, uh, Wolverine and Rogue fight back, but then the accolades show up and get involved, throwing them around the room with their crazy powers. Um, but as Cortez is sort of getting, uh, you know, getting ready, the X Men we see Magneto's ship land in uh, in the desert. Kind of, it's kind of like a Bethlehem wise man situation here. They got like the camels, the two guys wearing the the Magi outfits. So there's like a star that looks like the star of Bethlehem in the sky. I'm wondering if this is yeah, like I a, got that vibe. a yeah, you got that too. So then it crashes uh, into the earth. Um, basically, they go to check what's up, and then you see Magneto pull himself. As his uh, body is kind of reconstituting, it's sort of phasing in and out of existence, and we'll explain what happens I to him just briefly. Love when Magneto shows how crazy his powers are. He he can do the craziest stuff, and when he does. Well, but that's sort of like when it's convenient. Like he was lifting the ships with people in them, and that was draining him before until Cortez charged him up. But it was like now he's supercharged by the Earth's magnetic field because they fired him right into it. Because he went from space through it. Yeah, 
Okay. I guess that that was one of my my gripes was why didn't he just feed off it when he's on Earth before? So, uh, yeah, but like, why was he weak before? Because he was going in and out of Earth with the... uh, Unless, oh my God, damn it, stop. Um, Unless uh, Fabian was already secretly draining him to make him reliant on him. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe a plot hole. Well, anyway, Cortez uh, uses his technology that he seems to have that allows him to be on every TV in the world to uh, to turn them on so they can all watch him basically kill the X-Men and assert his dominance. My people demand justice, public retribution, broadcast to the world. He sounds a little worked up. A little unhinged. So while he's getting ready to do this, basically Amelia appears with the cassette, puts it in. And shows what really happened when Cortez zaps Magneto of his powers, says he's going to use him as a martyr, takes his key, ejects his pot out into space, and then tells the rest of the uh, the, the the mutants that, uh, you know, the X-Men had done it. So this, of course, turns all the mutants on him. Facebook. Including um, my my namesake, Camilla Unis Scandre. Is that how you pronounce it? Sion, uh, who is in tears about what he did to Magneto, which is funny because they barely knew him. But uh, I guess maybe what he represented is what she said about. So, um, you will serve our cause what much you better as a martyr. God damn it! It's a trick. It's a trick. I would, I would try to ape him better if my my throat wasn't so sore. But he, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to do it either. My throat also hurts. I'm kind of sick too, but I'm always sick, so I don't talk about it. I have a baby. So. Yes, that is how sickness children do spread sickness. They're little plague bears. So um, sticky little hands. The girl with the crazy mutant hands, <laughs> uh, the energy hands, goes to attack him. He go, throws a grenade at them, Cortez, and disappears behind a little trap door. Uh, Magneto or uh, Wolverine has a pithy line about her abilities. Do you have that here? I'm sure you probably do. I think I do. Of course you do. That- that would have to be. You're skipping ahead here. All right, that's good though. We're making time. Uh, that must be this one. Mm, she'd be a handful on a date. He seems. He seems. He seems interested. He does though, doesn't he? That's he does. What I got from that. I think maybe uh, Wolverine might be getting lonely. Yeah. So. Um, Hasn't fought with an ex-girlfriend on the show in a few episodes. That's right. So, uh, using a secret door, uh, Cortez makes it down to the secondary control room for the the missiles, um, where we see Byron hanging out. Uh, you know, he wants to, he wants him to check the missiles, and he sees that sixteen percent of them are offline. There's two hundred and ten that are still active, but you know, some of them are being deactivated. So Cortez, realizing that he's being sabotaged, says forces Byron at gunpoint to to shoot them all at once at the Earth, um, which is a pretty drastic, like literally destroying the Earth is his plan. Uh, Most of the people people on it is what they said earlier, and killing the majority of the mutants as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, Gambit busts in to try to stop him, uh, but he still has a collar on. Cortez using it to uh, to keep him in line, but then uh, Amelia uses her powers to take it from Cortez and uh, free Gambit. Uh, Cortez launches the missiles, and uh, you know Beast gets out of there. The missiles all start sending towards Earth. The Blackbird tries to shoot down as many as they can using a variety of their own weapons and uh, Xavier's telekinetic abilities, telepathic abilities, however, there's just too many. But then, like a Valkyrie riding in to battle, oh, yeah. Magneto returns, uh, rejuvenated by the Earth's you magnetic uh, field. Cortez. 
The Earth's magnetic field has healed me as a mother nourishes her son. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Very poetic. It's pretty, pretty little, dr in this little, dr little dramatic, but uh, it works. So, um, like this is Magneto. Like he comes in, like when he once Magneto gets mad, like he's is crazy and dangerous as any villain, more so really. So, like I like that he wraps Cortez up and then it just cuts away, so you could just be like, he might have gone full Magneto on old Cortez there. We just he doesn't because we see something else that happens. But yeah, I know. Anyway, um, so Magneto appears. Uh, you know, uses crazy powers that he's all jacked up from the magnetic uh, core of the Earth, which didn't seem to affect him before, but did this time. Uh, to uh, wipe out all the missiles and then uh, start attacking the asteroids, so all the um, the mutants start escaping. You know, they subdued Cortez in the little battle before, so they're taking him off to. Uh, to, I guess, stay in trial somewhere, but before they can, Magneto busts in and uh, <laughs> Cortez asks for mercy, which is funny. It's like, he's like, I'm going to make you a murderer, sends him off into space, zaps his powers, saying he's, his molecules are just going to dissipate and he'll be nothing. And then he's like, mercy, when Magneto shows up and wraps him up in metal. He's unhinged. <laughs> he just attached him to the wall and then covers his mouth with metal. Um, basically, then Rogue Bust through another wall, finds Gambit, and they're happy to be reunited. They have a little fun. Come in, you swamp rat. Yeah. <laughs> it almost sound like you missed me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they have a nice yeah, tender moment where Wolverine uh, mocks them for being too sweet when they when they have their little reunion. Um, oh yeah. Then yeah, Professor X reaches out to Magneto. Um, to try to tell him to come back with them, but Magneto says that the humanity's never going to trust mutants now because of what happened. So he has to see an, an end to this plan by by destroying the asteroid. Uh, assumingly, concern yourself. I shall survive it. Yes, stating also that he will survive it. So uh, he blows up the asteroid, sends it spiraling into the Earth's ocean, and uh, disappears until he pops up on the show again. Comes the mutant island of Utopia. What are you doing here? Oh my God, Gambit! We know what we're doing here. The soundboard makes. Me... So uh, they land on Earth, uh, seemingly back in the Africa somewhere, for obvious for a reason we'll bring up later, I'm sure. And uh, we see, um, you know, Xavier saying goodbye to Amelia, but she's saying she's tired of trying to use other people's plans to find her way to live in this world. And she's going to come up with her own plan. She gives Xavier a nice Indeed. little peck, and then goes off on her own. We see Cortez awaken, seemingly rescued from the. Uh, from the debris of the, the asteroid M that as it hit the Earth. What are you doing here? Oh my God, Gambit. It's not Gambit's fault. Where am I? With your true savior. That's it. <laughs> so we see uh, Apocalypse with, a, with a, a surprising character that we have not seen in the... Well, we've seen in flashbacks, but not Who actually seen you? in person yet. What do you want with me? You were saved from the asteroid because your talents will prove useful to me very soon. But who are you? <laughs> Apocalypse loves his maniacal laughter. And uh, as unstated there, we do see him with Deathbird, who is the... Uh, the Shi'ar enemy of uh, Lilandra, and it was like her, not her sister. What's her, her sister. connection? Yep. She has sister too? Her sister. All right. So she has a crazy brother and a crazy sister? 
Okay. And the crazy brother and sister were lying before the crazy brother got trapped in the Amron crystal or Amcron crystal. Well, see, Deathbird doesn't really like any of them. And she's like, so there's sort of like two kinds of Shi'ar people. Well, I forget what they're called. I guess they're the original Shi'ar, and then Shi'ar's an empire that becomes as many uh, species later. But um, so she has wings, and like some, they're all bird people, but most of them don't have wings. But some of them get these like sort of proto wings. And I don't know. I think she would maybe look would, down on a little bit because of that. Would you say that she will take those broken wings? And learn to fly again. Learn to live so free. And when you hear the voices sing, all right, the book of love will open up. Let us in. Each of us will have to look into his own heart and decide. For a guy who loves X Men, '90s X Men, you don't certainly don't like your '80s power ballads. That's all I'm saying. I more in my old age than I did in the day. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, ratings from one to x this was a good one i might give this one a 10 as well uh, yeah i mean as far as a, a two-parter yeah as far as a uh you know continuation of what they did last time and really sticking the landing on all of that i think they did a good job i mean we do get that nice moment of magneto sort of being all jacked up and coming out for this you know showing off his, his abilities so yeah i think i i, would, I could give it a 10 Boom. First 10 two-parter. That's very uh, very prestigious. It's pretty good. Yeah, right. Pretty, yeah, like pretty, pretty good. So Magneto, I love when he does that. Like I've, He's created wormholes with his... Well, you know what? Maybe I'll save that for the next segment. I, <laughs> I might need it if we start stealing from each other here. All right, uncanny X points. Why don't you go first, Andrew? Do I have to? No. <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, Professor X's spacesuit, we did mention, is a purple and silver kind of sheer exoskeleton, which allows him to walk in the comics. You don't really see him doing that in the uh, in this episode. But um, it was first seen in uh, something we talked about last episode, the Fatal Attraction storyline in the X-Men comics, which is something that uh, I have a lot of reverence for because it was right around that sweet spot of my age when I was reading comics and they were fun. And I love that story. Yeah. So it was kind of neat seeing Xavier wearing, uh, you know, something that at the time, yeah, which is true, (laughs) but something that at the time was fairly recent, like that comic would have only come out a year or something probably before this episode. So it's nice that the, the people writing or, or animating the show anyway, making the decisions about that stuff or, or including stuff as, as recent as that, which is super neat. I'm wondering if the new show is going to do that as well. Like get into I mean, they have so much. They have so much more from from '97 to now. You know, like um, yeah, thirty years. Of, basically, they're not going to do that. That that's not so great. Morrison stuff. And there was a, and they're not going to do that. Like, there's a lot of bad X Men. Well, frig you. They definitely can do some of that stuff. They could easily. Cassandra Nova would be awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think it's likely we see here. Phantom X would be awesome. And confusing, but sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just you know, I mean, obviously, I mean, a lot of people in this show's stories aren't the same, are 100% the same as they were in the comics. So, sure. you know, you can clean it up or, or make it more whatever. I mean, Zorn would be fun, but... stuff. They'd probably do Phantom X. Zorn would be fun, but I mean, Magneto seems to be an ally at the start of the show, so if they're going to go that route, I don't think they will, but... 
Daniel has an next point. I may have missed the original comment, but Magneto's shimmery, glittery self climbing out of a hole is my X point. It's a pretty yeah, good X so point. That's good stuff. I'll make that one mine too. So I'll branch off on that. So Magneto, when he flexes his power, he he's created a wormhole once because he wanted to get to Scarlet Witch. But uh, I think maybe my favorite one is recently where uh, Uranus, the Eternal, but like the super powerful one of the first Eternals, comes back to kill all the mutants on uh, Mars. And uh, Magneto's there because him and Storm sort of run that place. And Uranus rips out Magneto's heart and they just assume Magneto's dead. And he shows up like a few minutes later with like him pumping his own blood through his body and like this sort of magnetic heart he's created with like pure energy in himself and he's just like super mad it's super cool it's very much like this where he just like pulls himself back from the dead with his own power and comes back for vengeance and it's a classic magneto moment that's probably why this episode got a 10 for me it, i love that stuff that's the magneto i want to see in the movies like earth-shatteringly powerful magneto the, yeah like really they've never really shown him when he's really angry and a little uh, unhinged yeah i mean they've they've i, I guess more so with uh, to toe the line like well i mean more so with uh, michael fassbender's version probably yeah there were things in there that were pretty pretty intense as far as the, the limits of his abilities go but I didn't see the last one or two. Hmm. All right. My next X point is uh, cameos. So um, when we, uh, when, when, when Cortez was reaching out to, uh, to the earth and we see all the people on earth watching, there was uh, Gideon, who is a character we haven't seen yet in the show yet um, with his little minion there. There was uh, the X factor watching, which is fun to see them again. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as, uh, there was, who's the woman that was in like, uh, like an Egyptian looking chamber. Oh, so I have a theory. Oh, okay. What's your theory? Well, I'll make it my X point. What? Come on. Just, okay, go ahead. Your X point now. All right. I think it's Lady Sphinx. Okay. Uh, she was new to the time. She had debuted in New Warriors comics like a year or two before that, but I can't mm-hmm. think of who else it would be. That well, makes sense, but it's super obscure. Like, not really an not an X Men villain. I mean, maybe they cross paths, but yeah, very strange. Actually, no, she is listed here. She is listed here. Oh, Rada Dastor, also known as the Mutant Haven. Oh, Haven. Oh, yes, yes, Haven. And she's with her with her brother Mon Monsoon. Crap! All right. So there you go. You know, Monsoon and Haven. bugging me too because I was I could picture the card in my head and I thought the name on it was Sphinx in my head, but it, it is. And uh, we see Gideon's little minion is named Saul. Uh, he's there as well. Saul. Uh, Gideon, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gabra Hyson, also known as the Mutant Saul, uh, or Garb Garbha Hyson, also known as Saul. So yeah, we see them plus all the you know uh, and the X Factor seeing them again was fun. So uh, yeah, it was it was a good little episode. A lot of cool little cameos. All right, that's back to you though. Well, you know oh. what? I won't make mine. I won't, no, I won't no, that's fine. Wrong. That's fine. No, no, go back I'm to me. Gonna, no, 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 no it's fine. It's totally fine. Sphinx. 
Totally fine. Go for it. All right. So uh, I'll, I'll just there's one camera I wanted to save again for a different point. Uh, did you notice the return of uh, Black Panther in this episode? I did. Yeah. yeah so when they go, yes, in hey, missionary, you know the actually, they yes, standing on the same rock. That is true. When they go back to Earth, it's funny because they obviously just use the same animation of the back of Black Panther watching from behind a rock. Because when they go back to Africa and they're all getting back off the ships back on Earth, it's like the season, the exact same pose on what it seems to be the same rock. But now with Mijnari there, and they're also like, you still see like the mirror image of it. But there's people everywhere, so he can't really hide because he's not like way in the distance. They're like literally meters away from him, and he's like behind a rock hiding, watching what's going on, which is, I mean, obviously, the, them funny. just thrown in by Panther for fun, but, uh, you know, it didn't make the most sense. But I was let, I was willing to let it slide because, you know, Black Panther's cool. Yeah. All right, back to me. Well, Frenzy. So one of the acolytes is Frenzy. And she's actually a really cool character. Of all the acolytes, she's probably the coolest. And she gets a lot of uh, uh, airtime in comics these days. In X-Men comics. Because she's on one of the teams. Might be X-Factor. Um, or whether the Marauders. Either way, she's cool. She's just got like super, she's like super strong. But she, there was this good storyline with her and Cyclops where they... Um, like fell in love in like this sort of alternate sort of timeline thing that went on mm -hmm. and then she remembers it all and feels it all and he doesn't so she still has like this thing for him and he doesn't share any of it so that's kind of a weird thing and I like them together actually I like them those two as a couple better than like Cyclops with anybody else yeah that's fair uh, enough Gene. yeah uh, so and Frenzy check her out she's a cool kid uh, what was my last point there? Yeah, five already. I feel like this is four. No, this is four. Um, shoot, I just had it here. One sec. Terry Hawks, who does the voice of uh, Amelia in this episode, is uh, in the previous episode, is another Canadian royalty of sorts. A lot of voice work. A lot of voice work. Care Bears, specifically. Uh, the redo of it in the late 2000s. Um, as well as Bee and Puppy Cat, which is kind of a famous cartoon uh, that's that she's on right now, uh, as well as Cube Zero, which was the prequel to the movie Cube, which is a great Canadian oh, yeah. movie by Cube Vincenzo Natale. Uh, she's on Earth Final Conflict in an episode, which is another. Um, and she did a lot of voice work on Sailor Moon. 69 episodes of that, she was Sailor Moon. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Uh, wow. And a bunch of other things from the time period, but a lot of uh, Beverly Hills on a 210. She did a running bit on that. She was on Avonlea in an episode, Killing Machine, Lonesome Dove, all, all these Canadian things. Forever Night, of course. Lonesome Dove. Yep. I remember Lonesome Dove. She did the voice. She did a voice on an episode of Tales from the Crypt Keeper, the, the kid friendly animated uh, Tales from the Crypt show. I love that show. That was a great show. The Mr. T Show, TNT, General Hospital. Uh, Oh, wow. She's in uh, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, which I've been meaning to watch because it's it's a sequel to Prom... Well, it's a horror movie. Prom Night 1 had Jamie Lee Curtis in it, but Prom Night 2 was kind of notable because it had nothing to do with one. Nothing at all. The first one, I think, was a slasher. The second one was like a possessed old prom queen. No like connections Halloween, to either Halloween movie whatsoever. Two. Yeah, well, uh, no. Halloween 1 and 2 were directly connected. Halloween 3 was, was three different than the others. Yeah. But 3 is a fantastic movie. 
I think three would be a cult classic if people didn't expect Michael Myers in it when they watched it. If they hadn't called it Halloween and just called it Season of the Witch, I think it would have been uh, would be up I there. And it I, doesn't have Michael on the cover. It has like a pumpkin or something. No, Michael's not in it at all. Yeah. He he only briefly he only briefly appears uh, on the TV in a bar. They're showing Halloween one or two on the TV. Wow, so that's, that's it. Meta style. Kind of, but uh, you know, it's a great show, a uh, great movie, rather. But yeah, no, she had a lot of another one of our, uh, our our Canadian royalty, and she's in a ton of uh, ton of stuff. Lebowski's making his usual cameo in the show. Say hello, Lebowski. Well, my next X point is Beast getting airsick. That seems strange to me because of any of the X Men who should be able to like handle that sort of thing. The guy who flips upside down and walks upside down and does barrel rolls and stuff all the time. I figured he had a pretty strong stomach, but, you know, he, he almost loses his lunch on the Blackbird. So that oh, that's true. Yeah, he mentions that he shouldn't have shouldn't have eaten dinner or supper or something. Yeah. Um, my final point is uh, seeing Xavier work with the president is interesting. This is something that hasn't we haven't really seen on the show before. And I guess it makes sense because there was that whole story in season two where Kelly finds a, a, a compassion for mutant kind after they save him. And uh, some other people so, being kidnapped, <laughs> which is similar to what they did in the uh, in the movie, the first movie. Until you know, then they yeah. till well, he he got turned into a mutant and melted into goo, and then Mystique took over for him. But uh, you know, uh, I thought it was interesting seeing like Magneto being on the level of uh, you know dealing with the president and helping with threats to to humanity, which is something that's fun. So, uh, yeah, more of that. I want to see more X-Men space adventures. You know what I'd like to see in the new series? Uh, Abigail Brand. That would be a nice addition to the show. I'd like to see her and Sword and set up Sword. Well, Sword and her... Beast. Sword and her in the Secret Invasion um, TV show that's coming out for Marvel. Oh, yeah. Sword. I hope she's in that. She is. No, it's been confirmed. She's Amelia Clark from uh, Game of Thrones. Amelia Clark is Brand? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I mean, she doesn't have green hair, and I doubt she's half alien unless they do do that later, but uh, we'll see. They have to. Be cool if she had green hair. I mean, why not? Give her green hair. Come on, Marvel. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. She's yeah, I like Amelia Clark. She'll be cool in it. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting choice for the role. It's not who I would have thought picked, but I'll give her a shot. Do you see this thing, this creature that... Point. Well, I was going to say, do you see this creature that I rescued from the street as a kitten, fed and loved and clothed? And you see it biting me when I'm trying to pet it here? Do you see this? Yeah. yeah. Jesus. It is a cat. Mm-hmm. This is what they do. They show you mm-hmm. who's boss. That's right. My last point is Apocalypse and Deathbird. It's cool to see Apocalypse back because he's great in this show. Yep. And not too far before That's he comes back. Over the thing. last couple of years. And Deathbird. It's cool to see her. Yeah. And Interestingly enough, in the comic, she was a horseman of apocalypse. So, oh, really? Likely setting up. Yep. So he's likely setting up at his next horse for horsemen. Well, I assume Cortez will be one as well. So, yeah, interesting choice. So Cortez and that's a good start. I guess Mm -hmm. Cortez and Deathbird. Who knows who else will get? Other worlds is oyster. Yep. Could be you. I don't think I can align myself with Apocalypse. I don't feel like our 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 dreams for the, the world are the same. <laughs> oh, they're pretty close, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an anarchist. I don't want to see the world devolve into madness and insanity. 
Peace is what I crave. Hey, check this out. Hey, check this out, everybody. This is our comic reminiscences and recommendations segment. What are you going to recommend since you already recommend the comics? This is based on last week. Yeah, no, I'm not even going to recommend comics. I'm going to recommend novels. You told me you don't read X-Men novels. What? Well, I don't often, but I have some. Mm-hmm. All right. This one is, uh, I knew I do need part three of this series. Uh, book one is Mutant Empire by Christ- or, uh, yeah, Christopher Golden, who also wrote Daredevil's Predator's Smile, which was a, a very good one as well. I have that over there as well. Uh, so they have some of those at the. Book, book. They, I don't think they have that one. They have some of them at my local uh, Most Wanted Pawn Shop. See if they have book three. I have book one, Siege. It's about Magneto. So in this one, Magneto takes over a government facility where they're making Sentinels again and uh, takes them for his own. Oh, and he's got the Acolytes in it too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Everybody's in it. Check it out. In this one. It's the reason why I even picked this as my recommendation. Book two is called Sanctuary. Sanctuary. Here we get Bishop back. So this is book two. Book three I don't have. So if you see it, let me know at your bookstore there. Oh, right. hey. Book, book three. But yeah. in this one, Magneto's, it's Magneto again with his acolytes. And they stepped it up a notch. And they've now taken over the entire uh, island of Manhattan. Well, I do have so one for, haven for mutants. I do have one of those for you that I picked up for you. Remember the uh, the Planet X one, the one that's the Star Trek crossover, Star Trek Next Generation crossover oh, yeah. novel. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. They're like three bucks, so I'll pick them up if there's anything you need. Yeah, well, but, book three is what I need. All right, I do have the Peter David Hulk one that I haven't read. It. I should read it. Oh yeah, he, yeah, he had a fun Hulk run. Well, no, the Peter, like the book he wrote, the Sav- What Savage Beast or the Sav- whatever it's called, it's a red cover. Oh, okay. I remember when I was a kid, I always wanted to read it, and then I finally found it somewhere in a used bookstore and I picked it up, but I never never ended up reading it yet, so I should, I should do that. What do you got to recommend for us today, Andre? Well, in true fashion of uh, people looking for a different life in a different world that's un- foreign and unfamiliar with for them, I picked it a book by... Sean Tan, called The Arrival. Um, it's a very beautiful book. Um, it's kind of a, a fantastical look at an immigrant story of a man uh, traveling to a new world where nothing is familiar and everything is alien and strange, depicted by, you oh, know... Wow, these, the art's great. The art is gorgeous. Um, I believe yeah. you did the art as well. And it's all, um, like, you, you can see these different... There's no words in it. It's all, it's all depicted through story. But it's it's a gorgeous, beautiful like book. Marvel Nuff said issue. Yeah, which is when we're talking about sort of when I was dropping back into comics, that's when they did those, uh, when I was a teenager and I was reading those. So they, I got well, really... um, uh, da, da, da. Morrison was on X-Men at the time. because the Yeah, that, that was one of the issues. That was a great issue. The one where they find out that, uh, yeah, in his minor mind. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Your fight skips in and over in the womb. In wins. Yeah, this, this actually, one time I did a, I think it was... Um, uh, the theater group I'm in, we give it. We gave a grant out, and I was selected because I think I was the president of the board at the time to go to the high school graduation and give it to the student. We're given the grant 
two. So I had to go to the graduation in the middle of the day. And then they were just hanging out in the library until we were ready to go sit on the stage. And it was a big school and it took like hours to go through everybody before the one person I had to stand up, shake her hand, give her the envelope and sit back down for the next, you know, it was nice. I'm glad, you know, but when I was sitting in the library, I was flipping through some of their stuff and I saw that book and I was really taken with it because the art's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's this lovely story about, you know, an immigrant going, wanting a better life for your family, going to a strange world where you don't recognize anything. It's all foreign and weird. And obviously it's depicted mostly through, you know, these kind of crazy landscapes and, and uh, goofy animals and things that don't, we don't recognize ourselves, but it really just stands in for tradition and, and carries with them sort of a, a small case that, that represents the family left behind that he's paving the way for to, to come with him here and getting a job. And, and they, they show, um, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing it's mostly uh, the Jewish immigrant story after world war two, because like they, they depict, the world he left behind with these giant monsters uh, sucking people up in in uh, in these shades. It likes it's it's all very, uh, very a lot of iconography dealing with that sort of stuff, um, and and it's it's gorgeous. It's it's heartbreaking. It's beautiful. Um, it's hard to describe. But anyway, if you just look at the back, Art Spiegelman speaks very highly of it. Who did Mouse? Um, Jeff Smith, who did Bone, speaks very highly of it. Craig Thompson, who did Blankets and some other amazing books, do as well. So um, yeah, fantastic book. Check it out. It's uh, it's beautiful, and um, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I mean, obviously, pay attention to the art because there's a lot of details hidden within it since it only uses art to tell the story. But um, it's uh, it's one of my favorite finds that I I never knew about until I knew about it. And he's done other books that are kind of similar that are art in this style. But Sean Tan, check him out. It's fantastic. All right, very cool. Well, we might as well keep you recommending things and move on to our other Andre recommending things segment. Once I find the cool intro music. <laughs> oh, wrong one. That's cool, though. Hey, some crow. My remote! You'll be happy to know Cousin Dave sent me a real mouse. Oh, have you not? Have you only been using a pad up until now? Yeah, Devin, mice are cheap. I would have sent you one if I knew you didn't have one. Yeah, we've been over this on the show. You told me that we were at the dollar store and called me a fool. Oh, that must have been a while ago. It doesn't sound like me. <laughs> now, you might not have said the fool part, but that's mm, not Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, so moving uh, on with my remote. So uh, I'm going to talk about another classic tale of an intrepid group of uh, weirdos and misfits that are trying to find a land to call their own to get away from the uh, from the oppressive hunting of their species by a military type organization. These these poor intrepid heroes being called the Gorgonites and their uh, their 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 cat their pursuers, of course, being the Small Soldiers, uh, the Joe Dante classic <laughs> from 1998, Small Soldiers. Um, I'm a big Joe Dante fan. Um, I don't I'm, think he's I'm done a it bad. I'm a big fan of Bone Thugs and Harmony's version of War on that soundtrack. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot about that. <laughs> but it's a delightful little movie. Um, it's, it's, a good, it's a good movie for kids, but it's also fun for adults. It's got a lot of uh, heart. It's got a very young Kirsten Dunst in it, which is always fun. Um hmm. And uh, also uh, Dennis Leary is this one. Phil Hartman, Jay Moore, Greg Greg Smith, who's a Canadian actor. I think he's on the 
Rookie Blue or one of those sort of shows right now. Um, Franklin Jella as the voice of Archer, like there, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, the voice of Chip Hazard, the bad guy. He's got a great voice, scored by Jerry Goldsmith, art by Stan Winston, a famous uh, effects guy. Oh, yeah. A lot of practical effects done in this. Stan Winston made the thing. Stan Winston did a lot of beautiful work. And uh, yeah, written by Adam Rifkin, who's a famous scriptwriter as well. So check it out. Really fun little adventure movie, uh, fun for the whole family. And uh, similar themes to X Men, you know, just being a misfit, uh, being ugly in the eyes of the world, but a great little like adventure. Where, yeah, where the mutants. The, the monsters are the good guys, and it's uh, the normal people, the, the soldiers that are the, the real monsters here. So the basic idea is they are all toys outfitted with chips to um, to have real-time war games with the kids playing with them, but they're too advanced. I believe they're used discontinued military chips for some kind of AI system that wasn't used, and it makes the both levels of toys too intelligent to the point that the, the soldiers are chasing the Gorgonites to eradicate them while the, uh, the Gorgonites just want to be left alone. But they, they develop personalities and become their own little beings because of this technology. And uh, yeah, and basically a war happens in a small kid's house. So uh, between between both Robin sides. Robin Williams movie toys. Bagley, yeah. I remember that. I remember the cover more than the movie because he had, he's wearing the, bowl, the red bowler hat with the square and there's nothing, mm-hmm. nothing through it. I don't remember much about that movie. I don't know if I even actually saw it. It's weird. The, like Puppet Master? Sometimes from the Needs Convenience Store. Back in- Ooh. Is it similar to the movie what Puppet Master? Doing? Playing with matches? More than you think. It's X-Teen-Bit Gaming with Super Nintendo Scale Horror. And I'm going to talk about a part two myself. Since we're talking about part two today. Donkey Kong Country Part 2. <laughs> Diddy Kong's Quest. This is an amazing game. Some argue better than the first one. I have more nostalgia for the first one, but the gameplay probably is a little better in this one. And, of course, you get Dixie, so she can do her little helicopter twirl, which is awesome. So they're kind of a probably a little bit of a cooler team than uh, Donkey and Diddy. But, you know, Donkey Kong is great to have on there, too. But I digress. It's a great game. If you haven't played the first two Donkey Kong countries, I mean, the third one's good, too. But it's, it gets a bit crazy hard. I mean, they're all decently challenging but um check it out diddy kong's quest you won't it still looks beautiful these games are beautiful the the sound is great the music you can't go wrong donkey kong country 2 diddy kong's quest electric boogaloo yeah (laughs) keep it short and simple man the cast for toys starring robin williams is ridiculous you got robin williams michael gambon old dumbledore himself Joan Cusack, Robin Robin Wright, uh, formerly Joan Robin Cusack Wright Penn. Was in everything back in those days. L. O. Cool J, Jamie Fox, <laughs> Yardley Smith. Everybody's in this. Oh wow, Yardley Smith. Lisa Simpson herself. Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking right. of Lisa Simpson, well, I do. Have a, we'll talk about plugs in a minute here, I guess. Will we? Let's do a quick round of uh, guess the statistics. Ooh. Do I not have a banner for that anymore? Been a while since we done this. Yeah, apparently I didn't even bring my banner over from when I got a new computer. Well, we'll, we'll <laughs> fix that right now. Mm. Since it's such mm. a great name. Guess the statistics. 
There we go. That's what we're playing here. This is where I look at my 1992 set of Marvel cards. Yep, 92. My favorite set ever. There's Spidey. He was card number one. Probably because he's, you know, the greatest comic book, nay, literature character of all time. Storm's probably number two. Um, so, Andre. Let's, let's. Here's an interesting one. I wonder if we've done this. Quicksilver, your favorite character. One of them, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, his strength, Andre. What would you think Quicksilver's strength would be? One. Two. Yeah, I was going to guess two. I should have guessed two. Intelligence. Two. Two. Energy projection. Zero. One, I guess. One is the bottom, right? One's the lowest. Yeah. Yeah. And seven's the highest. Yeah. Um, mental powers. One. One. Fighting ability. Two. Three. Oh, really? Yeah. You really don't want to be in a karate match with that guy. I guess, but it's not the, the, the fighting that... It's the speed, anyway. Speed. Five. Four. Really? Oh, come that's on. It's debatable. Yeah, that's why I just it should be a five. Off. I thought it might ruffle your feathers. That's some bullshit. Yeah, right. You know what? This is a fun one. It's not uh, X-Men, but a classic character nonetheless. Ooh, the Incredible Hulk, Hulk himself. The Smart Hulk, too. Strength. Tis smart, Hulk. Yep. Ah, uh, I mean, they wanted to say seven, but I mean, this can cosmic people. Um, six. I want to say five, seven. but really, they went seven. Okay. It's infinite. Like, there's no upper. It's like an omega. Yeah, but that wasn't established when they the, this came up. This came out. What I think it probably was. I don't think it was. Intelligence. This one, he was smart, Hulk. Right? Yeah. So yeah, four, yeah. five, four, five, five. Five. Yeah. Nailed yeah. It. yeah. Nailed it. Energy projection. Zero. One. Mental powers. One. Fighting ability. How good can the Hulk? They're taking some fisty cuffs. Five. Oh, wow. No, three. Oh, okay. Mostly just a brute. And speed. Two. So you can jump pretty fast. Is it one? Yeah, uh, it's two. Yeah, okay, two. Yeah, hey, I was right with that he, one. You know, he can probably run a little faster than that. Yeah, that's true. He is big, so he can, yeah. And here's a fun one since he was in the episode. Black, Black Panther. Panther. We, uh, I used to always love how, I think it was Trevor Noah used to make fun of um, Forrest Whitaker's South African accent in Black Panther. He'd be like, Black Panther. The Blick Panther. He's Blick. The Blick Panther. Son of Badu. Son of Badu. Blick Panther. He's Blick. <laughs> he's probably got a better African accent than. You know, where in Africa? You know, he's he probably fits in somewhere. Who knows? Fair he's enough. A good actor. He's played Africa. Oh, he's a great. He's a great actor. Fantastic actor. Nothing he was nobody's... crazy as Edie Amin actually in Last King of Scotland. Yeah, so I think that's like one of, if not the first movie my wife. Uh, so oh, MZ loves guess the statistics. Well, oh, good, MZ. I like this segment too. 
He uh, he was one of the I think one of the first movies Joe and I watched together was that was that one the Last King of Scotland when we started dating. That's a hard one to watch. It was a real it was a real uh, real makeup movie. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, all right. Black Panther's strength three, two, okay. In- intelligence two. What? He's a genius level. Oh, genius. right, right. Sorry. Three. Jeez. Jeez. Five. He's, he's a five? Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, in the comics, like he's the one that's good with tech, not Shuri. Mm. Like, he can do all that stuff. Um, energy projection. One. Mental powers. One. Fighting ability. Five. Four. Yeah. Fuck, I'm always one off. And speed. Two. Yes. Yeah. That seems to be the standard superhero level. Uh, here's we'll do one. My my beloved my beloved storm. Oh. Okay. So strength. Uh one. Two. Okay. Intelligence. I mean, what's it like? Is one an idiot? Is three a normal person? One would probably be like the juggernaut. So three would be like a normal person then? Because like four and five are like genius level people. Two would probably be normal persons. Well, I would say two then for her if that's that's the line. Yeah, I was going to guess three, but then I'm thinking of two as above average. Yeah, okay. Uh, energy projection. Interesting. I think we've done hers before. I think we did. Yeah. We're skipping this one. All right. Well, we, I'll just finish it. It's the energy projection, they gave her a one, and they gave her power, mental powers a six. Remember, we were arguing. Right. About yeah, 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 yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. All right. Let me pick one more. Have we done? Have we ever done? Oh, well, there's, if you've just seen Black Panther, there's Namor. Namor, as he's or called. Wolverine. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for any of those. Um, or Professor Xavier. Yeah, pick one. I'm you're the you're the you're the the crazy pick guy. Right. I'm just here. I'm just the monkey that dances on command. Let's go with Namor. You mean Namor? Namor's Namor. Yes, Namor. Imperious Rex himself. His strength, Andre. Five, six. Ooh, God damn man. it! That's like he's one below the Hulk. Nice. Man, this is this is not this is a hard. I don't know, man. Who said said Rhino is a one in intelligence? Yeah, that's hmm. also fair. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Intelligence for Namor. Four. Three. Energy projection. Yeah, one. Mental powers. Uh, is that like talking to fish would count? Like in influencing sea life? Three? Two. Yeah, okay. Fighting ability. Five? Four. Ah, man, always one. Always Speed. one off. Uh, is this counting swimming? 
I'm thinking no. Two? It should. Two. Yeah. Okay. I feel like he's maybe a little faster than that. He can fly pretty quick, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Some of these are contestable, perhaps. Mm. But uh, that's basically the end of our show here. Uh, you can... Oh, wait. There is one more thing, of course. The plugging? All I need now oh. is for you to contact your students, Professor. Homework from Professor Zandre. Well, Devin, a little question for you. What do okay. Petridge Firm and Professor X have in common? A goldfish. No, they remember. Petridge Farm remembers. In next episode, Charles Xavier remembers, as the episode is called. Xavier remembers episode five of season four. We're gonna get a lot of the questions answered that we've had about the original team and stuff answered in this next one. Well, on the little picture they show of the team in the little thumbnail, it looks like uh, basic. The basic synopsis here says that uh, Xavier, um, where's that here? I said it there. Professor Xavier suffers a. Oh no! Go back, you stupid. This Disney Plus menu is not great. Um. Professor X suffers a slight concussion, leaving open to manipulation. But the thumbnail shows him hanging out with like the X Men in their old costumes. Um, like Wolverine's got his old costume, Rogue's got her old costume, Storm's wearing her old black costume. For some reason, Jubilee's there, which doesn't make sense. And also, uh, Iceman and the other X Men are all in their yellow and blue costumes. Iceman, Angel, you who's call it Xavier misremembers. Yeah, because Angel was not a member of the X Men apparently uh, in the previous episode. Those are the things I think we're going to get an answer to. You think so? Yeah, I think it's gonna. Yeah, be cool if they did, but I also feel like they probably weren't too worried about kids remembering what they watched three seasons ago on TV. Uh, This is before DVD, and people were really watching this outside of TV. So, (laughs) you don't remember. You said you don't even remember most of the season earlier when we talked about it. This season, I don't. I don't even know if I've seen this season. I thought I had. Well, then be good. You'll be experiencing it for the first time. But maybe I hadn't seen four. Well, no, because I've seen seen Sanctuary. Maybe not, though. I don't know. Sanctuary! Sanctuary! Support the show at patreon.com slash xmanreviewshow, like Daniel. Contact us at xmanreviewshow at gmail.com. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Find our audio-only version wherever you get your podcasts. Please like, review, and subscribe. That would be great. It will help other people find our lovely little podcast. And uh, we are a proud member of the United Federation of Podcasts. That is also true. You saw Murphy pipe up earlier about the nice 1080p. We are in 1080p quality now. Look at that. Look how crisp we are. Is that because we got the pro the pro level? of? Uh... Yep. Nice. It's funny. I always thought it was my camera, but that makes sense that it was, it was the program. Because I was like... It's a high end, a fairly high end camera, and I, I was like, it should be pretty good. But anyway, that's interesting to know. We look amazing. What a what a handsome race face. What a handsome crew we make. <laughs> it's true. Uh, All right, which one of us is more handsome? Vote now. On <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's Davin. We all know it is. You still, no, it's you. You <laughs> still you still have your hair. I do still have my hair. Yet I hide it all the time. But it is there. Uh, check out Hold Up, a movie podcast. Normally we're on Wednesdays, but this week 
Dave had leaf tickets, cousin Dave, who was going to join us as a guest, so we're going to do it Thursday. And it's about political movies, and it's going to be fiery. Oh my god. This is going to be an explosive episode. Fire! Yeah, it may break up the family. It's going to be It's gonna be nuts. <laughs> also, check out Super Mater Brothers. They do reality show reviews. Check out, well, Andre, why don't you tell us a little bit about this little show here? <laughs> Well, it's called the Graphic Histories Podcast, and it is my podcast. It was what I was doing before I joined this one, and I'm still doing. Um, and as such, I interview people related to comics or film or any kind of general nerddom or geekdom, and I chat with them for a while. Uh, the last first ep- ugh, the last episode was part one with Frank Forstall, who is an um, amazing artist locally, uh, son of famous Nova Scotian painter uh, Tom Forstall. Um, but finding his own voice and doing some really disturbing, kind of fun, beautiful, fantastical artwork. Um, he made some films and some other worked in different mediums, so we talk about all that. Uh, the second part's very interesting. We discuss um, existential angst. Um, also, a lot more about folk horror. We talk about um, about mental health and about uh, finding a way out of it through dream visitors and almost kind of a Lynchian twist. And also, uh, I discovered that apparently the movie Beloved with Oprah Winfrey was a ghost story, which I didn't know anything about. That The way that movie was sold to me as a kid was it was just another color purple or some sad, some sad drama stuff about the Civil War. But apparently, there's exorcisms, there's hauntings, there's ghosts. It's a whole folk horror kind of movie, and I didn't even know about this. So now I'm going to have to go look it up, but we talk about that as well. Um, the next episode of that drops this Friday, which will be part two. And then uh, after that, uh, I have uh, David Cullen, who did work for Marvel. Uh, a lot of ish, uh, backup stories for What If, um, including the, the the some of the comedy, mostly the comedy ones. So there was an, an, uh, a backup in two. Actually, I should have brought it up to show you, but there's a backup. He has one-page backups in a couple of, of issues, uh, one being What If Keith Richards led the Fantastic Four instead of Reed Richards. Yeah, I remember that one. And uh, also the one after it, which is what if Wolverine was the worst he is at what he does <laughs> instead of the best, which is also <laughs> quite funny. Nice. It's mostly just him falling and not being able to actually like catch anybody and all this other stuff. So uh, it, it's a hoot. He's a really interesting guy. Um, he does a lot of storyboard work now and uh, has some amazing stories about working with Robert Eggers on The Lighthouse, uh, the A24 film. Oh, wow. And uh, and how, how close he worked very closely with that director and the cinematographer. And uh He's worked on the Lex. He worked on a bunch of crazy shows from uh, from around and move in fairly famous movies and in books of blood and other things that are out out in the states. So um, yeah, really making a making a lot of work in uh, in storyboarding, but uh, still working in the comic medium with uh, stuff like that. So we we chat. That one actually was very long as well. Um, I kind of really like my long conversations. They're fun. I I don't like to edit too much because I I feel like it. I don't know. I streamlines the conversation to a point that I kind of doesn't feel natural, and I kind of like yeah. feeling like you're dropping in on a conversation. So, um, yeah, I'm going to. Uh, I'll probably do mild editing to it, very little, in fact, and probably put another two parter up with uh, yeah. the two parters are great because then I don't have to struggle to find a guest for the next week. So, uh, or for the for two weeks yeah. from then. So it's always nice when I can get away with those. I don't normally like to do them back to back, but David was a great guest and had a lot to say, and uh, I had a lot of fun talking to him. Very interesting guy. So, uh, yeah, check that one out next. For your in-depth interviews with interesting people. That's right. Podcast. 
Yeah, there's like KBBBL, where three uninteresting people talk about the same. No, we get. What's the extra B for over there? Uh, last week it was for Bigfoot because it was the Call of the Simpsons episode. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. But we're having fun over there. We have a history segment. We have a philosophy segment. We have fun games like we do on this show, but different, different games. Ooh. So very fun. Check that out. Before we'll before we're debates. done this evening, I want to ask you something. So finish up what you're doing. But yeah, yeah. all right. Go ahead. And you go. Trivial debates. They're going to do reality shows. Oh God, I would not be uh, good at that. January 29th. No, me neither. But those three will. Let's cut. Look, the Battle of the Maters there. Dave versus Jeff. Oh my. It's a lot of Mater. Jamil's the host with the most over there. I like Jamil's uh, glamour shot there. That's very nice. Right? It's yeah. Very good. Also, check out the Hellbound podcast with Alex Blackburn and Michael Chan. I've added you that know, to my podcast list. I want to listen to that soon. Oh, very good. Let me know. Let them know how you feel about it. Uh yeah, the live long podcast. We do I do my little cuters of Trek stuff over there. We also do they do episode reviews in the command division. We do Star Trek Radio Theater in the Ops Division. And in the science division, I do all kinds of crazy things. We launch probes, we do trivia, we do debates. We learn. We learn. And have fun at the same time. <laughs> yeah. That's it. What do you want to ask me? Oh, uh, well, two things. Uh, I did add a little stinger on my podcast now that say I'm a member of the, uh, the, which you can listen for in the next one. I'm a proud member of the United Federation of Podcasts. Um, I was running a lot before you guys got this off the ground. I kind of had my own thing going, but now I've uh, been been absorbed into your little cadre, and it's great. Um, but other two, uh, one quick question just for fun. What do you think is the worst movie that has the best soundtrack? Worst movie with the best soundtrack. Wow, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. If you would Probably have asked me when I was a te- teenager, I would have yeah, said Queen, Queen of the Damned. But uh, Bad one? Yeah, that's not a great movie. But I think if you ask me now, it would probably be Sucker Punch, because I think that movie sucks, but the soundtrack was really good. So. I don't even know if I have an answer for you. Well, uh, my question for you was to ask you about uh, if you had seen the because uh, we sometimes discuss what's going on in the the wider world of nerddom and Marvel Marvel mm-hmm. cinematic stuff. Did you watch the new Ant Man trailer today? I did. I doesn't did. it look fucking awesome? Yeah, it's got Modok. Uh, yeah, Kang who I think it's amazing. Kang is probably one of, if not the most accurate comic, yeah, costume I've seen yet from Marvel. Yeah. I love the idea of making scars on his face to make the lines, which I thought was a cool, cool addition. Um, and with the eyes, like there's some some stills that you can see with the eyes glowing white, with the blue mask on and all that. And man, it looks cool. He looks so good. It's it's yeah. so good. It looks crazy too. It's gonna be crazier than Multiverse of Madness, that's for sure. And the, they released a poster, which isn't just the normal floating heads poster. It actually is a really artsy kind of cool poster, which I think is beautiful. It's the first time Marvel's actually done a different type of poster. That's not just Odo something they wasn't they've... on the poster though. A little disappointed there. Well, we did get a brief glimpse of him, although I think there's like a a screen cap rolling around that shows Modok on the screen behind Kang, and it's the face of Darren Cross on it. Instead of like the face changes, was it the, fa- was so, it the face? So I think I think I think the one where you could see his teeth and stuff. Yeah, that's like the robot face. You can you can see the Funko of that one. It shows basically what he looks like. But there's no, one that the mask. 
I think. Oh, maybe. No, no, the mask. He's like a robot. Is what he looks like in the. the is the it Funko really Pop. Darren Cross? Well, I think yeah. That's that's the rumor is that it's that Yellow Jacket surviving. I had heard that rumor a while ago. But I well, actually, there's a rumor going for a long time that it was going to be uh, Jim Carrey who was playing Modoc. So, um, but anyway, it looks amazing. It looks like it's a real, really elevating Ant Man. Apparently, the director Peyton Reed said that he was kind of tired of people saying that Ant-Man movies were just, uh, not tired, but, you know, people would always say the Ant-Man movies were sort of a, a smaller scale story compared to what's going on in the rest of the world. So he wanted to make it an Avengers-level story and did it for this one, and uh, it looks awesome. Like, see, this might be, I, I don't want to see Scott Scott Lang die, but if we have to, this looks like it'll be a cool way to do it. But um, yeah. I love that the, the all beating each other up, and he says, you, you think you're going to win? He says, I don't have to win. We both have, just have to lose. And uh, I think that's a great line, and I'm curious to see what all that's going to shake down into. Ominous. Um, oh, Kang has always been one of my all-time favorite uh, comics villains. Oh. And uh, I've actually been really jonesing to read Kurt Busiek and uh, Quesada's run on the Avengers. Um, I have the, all the trades for it, the Avengers Assemble storyline, which I know has the Nuff Said episode where Kang takes over the America in it. I have all those trades. So, uh, yep, I have that one. I have that same set. It took me forever. I got one, three, four, and five, so which is – Yeah, I know. I, I had the sets one, three, four, and five forever. But two was really hard to find because um, they never reprinted it. No, I got all of them now. The Strange Avengers had a sale years ago, and I picked them all up for pretty cheap. And then You said Quesada, but it was, it's George Perez. Oh, Perez, sorry. Perez, you're right. It is Perez. George Perez. Dearly departed George Perez, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's gorgeous. And if you want an extra comic recommendation, since Mr. Perez is no longer with us, go check out his Justice League Avengers crossover, which is fantastic. But yeah, I'm very excited. I'm going to go probably read that that whole set in the coming weeks because I really want to. It feels like I just it's calling me. I feel like there's some great Kang stuff in that I get to check out. So. Sometimes you just need a little Avengers in your life. That's right. Also, look up. Uh, Sorry, one last thing. Ukla the Ukla the Mock, who does my theme song for the Graphic Histories podcast, they have a song. Um, I I had them on my show a while ago, and they're fantastic. But I kickstarted their last album. Um, one of the members, not Rand, but um, Adam, had a uh, stroke years ago, so he's not sure he's going to be able to play anymore in the future. So the band that that iteration of the band, the two of them may be may be gone. But their last album was called Ukla the Mock versus Evil, which is fantastic. And just recently got released on vinyl. It was a Kickstarter, not a Kickstarter, one of those Neil Juice or something. Good. But anyway, they had the two albums, and I listened to it when it arrived finally the other day. And they have a song called Kang the Conqueror. Uh, it's on all the streaming services. Look it up. But it's uh, do yourself a favor and listen to it. You'll have a good laugh. Basically, the storyline is... Yeah, the, cor- the, the, uh, the chorus just says, Everybody's Kang the Conqueror. and uh, Everyone is Kang. I actually really like the idea so much. I wrote kind of a fun story about a world where uh, a time traveler basically makes the entire world himself. Everything, everybody's just versions of himself. And uh, I think it was kind of a fun. Mr. Sinister has done that. Oh, has he? Ah, that was original. Damn it. (laughs) Nothing's original. I got to learn that. No, that's true. Zeitgeist is real. That's why I Mm -hmm. did All right. Let's get out of here. All right. Next time, everybody. Next time. One, two, three.